In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The eighth day of Christmas, January 1st, has been celebrated by the church under a variety of titles, bringing to our attention so many different aspects of this part of the the Christmas mystery, of the Word made flesh. Usually we introduce it these days by referring to it as the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, and for good reason. Because one of the most insightful and and elegant ways of referring to this mystery of God made man, the word made flesh, is by acknowledging that Mary really is his mother and he really is God. So his humanity is real, not just his flesh, but his human nature, human will, human intellect. just as much as we receive that by being conceived in our mother's womb. But the church celebrates something more than the fact of the hypostatic union, the perfect union of divine and human in the person of the second person of the Holy Trinity. The very last verse of this passage from St. Luke's Gospel that we just heard sounds easily like a a simple description of the, the passage of the usual events. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And then we continue on, and we read about the presentation in the temple, which happened after the days of purification. So the gospel that we heard yesterday and the day before is actually on the 40th day. The gospel that we heard today ends on the eighth day, January 1st. The circumcision was something that was done at home, usually by the father. And it seems a simple, um, a simple ritual, simple religious ritual that might not even grab our attention. But what I'd like you to pause to meditate upon is that this was the first time that our Lord shed his blood. He came into the world, into a fallen world, to rescue a people who are lost in sin to rescue us. And in short order, the Gospels will move to when he was preaching to teach us the eternal truth that will never change, to rectify the teachings and the permissions that had been tolerated up until then. Establishing the sacraments, healing the sick, raising the dead, restoring and healing us, and then ultimately dying on the cross and rising from the grave. 
But in, in these days after December 25th, it's as though we are celebrating our Lord entering into our human condition more deeply. It's not enough simply for him to, to come into the world and to be incarnate and to have a human body. That's already mind-boggling, amazing act of divine charity and humility. But even more so, he identifies with us. He enters into our ritual that we have had imposed upon us because of our sin. He becomes inscribed into the covenant of Abraham. He doesn't keep our humanity at a distance. But God himself allows himself to be subject to the demands that were placed on human creatures. And so it's not just this perfect human being, Mary, giving birth to this perfect human, God and man and Jesus Christ, who will remain perfect and then give us perfect teaching and perform a perfect miracle. But he allows himself to be disfigured. He allows himself to bear our scars. He allows himself to suffer. In the Te Deum that we'll chant after Holy Communion, towards the end is a simple verse that now hopefully takes on more meaning. Come then, Lord, and help your people bought with the price of your own blood and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Perhaps we, in these days of the Christmas octave, meditated upon our Lord, not just in the fact of his birth, but also in the, in the ordinary human ways that he was subject to our condition, to the cold, to hunger, to being dirty and needing to be cleaned. But not just in those simple and natural ways is he subject to our condition. But even in religion, even in the sacred rituals that are fitting for sinners, We'll see this taken up again in a whole new way at his baptism in the Jordan, where he submits himself to a ritual that would identify him as a sinner, except that he's incapable of sin. He's not doing this just for show. This is not a, something that's for pretend. He's identifying himself with us. He is making himself one of us.
He will pray. He will fast. He will beg God for mercy. Again, not for himself, but for us. The next great event of the, Christi- of the Christmas season will, will draw him even deeper into this, into this suffering. And whether it happened weeks after his birth or a few years, because Herod slaughtered the boys two years and younger, after the epiphany, they will flee to Egypt because his life is in danger. So tonight and tomorrow, I encourage you to reflect on God made one of us. God allowing himself to be treated like a sinner. God submitting himself to the rituals that were a punishment for sin. And yet at the same time, a promise of God's favor. When we approach the altar then, something very similar is happening. Because we're not just simply offering up our prayers, but we witness Christ praying to God the Father on our behalf. Christ offering up himself in our place. Christ the priest. Christ the sacrifice. Christ the altar. Imagine if God, if God did all this for sinners... Imagine what he has in store for us in heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.